Hello, this is the Unexpected Podcast. I'm your host, Deborah Brooks. I'm a speech language pathologist who found herself unexpectedly expecting. Tune in as I update you week by week along my pregnancy journey. Episodes will also feature chats with new and expecting moms. So let's get into it. This is 14 weeks. I am happy to report that I have successfully made it to my second trimester and everything looks great. However, I must start this episode with a trigger warning. Later on, we will chat with Miss Carla Diaz about a miscarriage that she experienced last year. If this topic is too intense for you to listen to and it's going to make you uncomfortable, please be sure to end the podcast after my 14-week update. Now, on to the show. All right. Yes, I've made it to 14 weeks, the second trimester. There's lots of controversy over that, apparently. Some people think it's the 13th week. Some people say the 14th week. In my head, I'm just like, whatever it is, it's probably whatever takes longer. So I go with 14th week. And that's what this book says, what to expect when you're expecting. Um, So before we hear about what's going on with me, let's hear about what is going on with the baby according to what to expect when you're expecting. Week 14. Beginning in the second trimester, fetuses, like the children they'll eventually become, start growing at different paces, some faster than others, some more slowly. Despite the differences in growth rates, all babies follow the same developmental path in utero. This week, the path is leading your baby, who is about the size of your clenched fist, towards a straighter position as the neck gets longer and the head more erect. And on top of that cute little head, your baby might actually be sprouting some hair. Eyebrow hair is also filling in about now, as is body hair called lanugo. Don't worry, it's not permanent. This downy coating of hair is there to keep your baby warm for now, like a furry blanket. As baby fat accumulates later on in your pregnancy, most of that hair will be shed. Though, some babies, especially those born early, will have a temporary fuzzy coating at delivery. All right, so what's going on with me? I am feeling pretty good. I will have to say, though, that pregnancy headaches are way worse than any other headache I've ever had in my life. Um... I fall asleep and I have a headache, and when I used to fall asleep and have a headache, I'd wake up and the headache would be gone, but now it stays. It's just chilling. I wake up with that same headache, and um, it's kind of all day. I'm wondering if anyone else is going through this or if it's just me. I have found that a little bit of coffee does help. If you read Expecting Better, then you do find out that um, Emily Ulster, the author of that book and she's a economics professor who she just finds the research and data behind all of these pregnancy recommendations well basically she did all of the research she looked up all the studies that these uh, recommendations come from and she found that there really isn't substantial evidence proving that caffeine is detrimental to the developing baby at the same time I still only have one cup a day and I usually only have half calf. Um, Just because, I don't know, 
I don't even like coffee that much to um, really fight for it, but I do find that a little bit of caffeine has been helping my headaches. Um, So I kind of wish that I made some before I started recording, but I didn't. Anywho, so um, really headaches is my only issue. Right now, many people might experience fatigue, um, decreasing urinary frequency. I am not peeing less. I am peeing the same or more. Uh, Decreased nausea, but I haven't had any nausea. Um, Constipation, I haven't felt that in a while. Heartburn, indigestion, flatulence, bloating. um, Those things, I think, have also died down. My breasts are getting larger still. I do have occasional headaches. I don't have this lightheadedness, I don't think, that some people are expressing, and I've seen many people state this, but I don't know if you can notice right now, but I am running out of air when I speak, and this is not usual for me. I am a speech pathologist. I speak at length all the time. I'm usually pretty good at estimating how much air I need to get through an utterance, but lately I am out of breath in everything that I do. Um, also nasal congestion and occasional nosebleed and ear stiffness could be a symptom in your second trimester. I don't have any of that, but I have been feeling extra dry. So I put a humidifier in each room of my house and I think that's helping slightly. So what else is going on? I bought some things for the baby. Um, It seems like every baby outfit I like from the internet costs a minimum of $30, um, which I think is entirely too high for a tiny baby who will, one, grow out of it, and two, probably poop and puke on it and won't wear it for very long. But um, I still got a couple cute things, uh, and they've been from, what's the name of that shop? It's something like one and only baby something I'll put it in the show notes but really cute stuff I got an all black outfit and I got a brown outfit that's covered in bears both with matching hats I also started a registry at Target and I put three high chairs on it and my mother-in-law wanted to know why I needed so many chairs and here's my reasoning so I'm a speech pathologist and Many times parents will come to me and say, the child is not speaking or the child is not eating, either one. And um, I'll come into the house and I'll notice there's not too much structure and they're chasing this kid around to give them a bottle and they don't sit still. And this is something that is easily worked on early on. So the high chair that I truly want is not good enough until about six months when the baby can support themselves sitting up. So that's why I had to get multiple. So I first started off with one that uh, starts that you can use as an infant seat, but basically like higher up on a tripod. And this puts, you could put your baby in this seat and they can be with you in the kitchen when you're cooking or cleaning or Um, They could be with you in the office, but like propped up so they're right next to you. And then there's there's six different positions so that they could be tilted and able to see what's happening around them. And that one progresses up until three years. So I like that because I can get the baby used to being in this high chair from as an infant until... I change high chairs. So it's just going to get them accustomed to 
being in the chair and um, attending to whatever it is I'm presenting to them, whether it's them watching us at a mealtime or me doing speech stuff, which I wonder if I will really do that kind of stuff with my kid. But um, this chair is called the Oribel Cocoon High Chair. And um, it looks really great. There's three comfortable recline positions. It's easy to clean. Six height adjustments, removable dishwasher tray, uh, safe tray, and all that jazz. So it's going to be good because, like I mentioned, the baby will be able to go in that from the very beginning. Now, something that I also see as a speech pathologist that's important to avoid is container syndrome. You don't want to always have your kid in a container. You want them to have back and belly time on the floor so that they can get exercise and work on their gross motor movement and build up like core and chest um, and head support. But at the same time, um, like 20 minutes here, 20 minutes there would be beneficial so that they understand that like the day has structure and there are things that they should attend to. Um, so that's why I picked this one. And I think it even confer can, it changes to a toddler seat. Um, and so as a speech pathologist, I recommend that at by four months, you have that baby in the high chair. And when it's your meal time, that baby is in their high chair and they're watching you eat and they understand like, oh, we sit and we eat at the table. Otherwise, you could just be putting yourself into a whole slew of um, issues that um, the baby is a grazer or they don't sit and eat, that they want to walk around and eat. And these are not helpful, productive things for your family and their nutrition. So that's why I think high chairs are super important. And I picked three of them and I don't care what anyone thinks. I want all three. And if I want a fourth, I'm throwing it on there. So if you register at Target, Walmart, and Amazon, then they'll send you like a free baby package. I think you have to buy something and register to get something. But yeah, look into that. Also, what have I learned this week? So much of what I learned came from the book Expecting Better. And I talked about this last episode. I really like this book. And it's basically the framework of the book is just that a lot of the recommendations for pregnancy in the United States are heavily safeguarded. So there's just like, you know, they just really take all of the recommendations to an extreme, making you feel as if there's a ton of rules, even though there's not a lot of data to substantiate these claims. So they're like, no coffee, no alcohol, no um, fish that are high in mercury, no medicines, no this, no that. Don't sleep on your back or your right side. Only sleep on the left and things like that. So the book kind of shows you that um, some of these restrictions are overcautionate, but then some are not like smoking, no matter what is quite detrimental to yourself and the baby. So that's what she found in the research. Um, but then she did find that alcohol consumption is not as bad as what people say in the United States. Otherwise there would be a huge disparity between the IQ of children in Europe where alcohol consumption is much, much more relaxed and the United States where it's highly restricted 
for women in pregnancy. Um, I'm not drinking alcohol now because I just don't like it enough. I was a vodka soda girl. Like I drank so that I could get buzzed. I didn't drink because I loved the way my Manhattan tastes. So I don't need a glass of wine and I don't feel the need to party or get drunk. But that's why I'm choosing not to drink. But I don't judge anybody who wants like a non-alcoholic beer or even like one glass of beer or one glass of wine. Um, I don't think that's a problem. It is a problem if you put it in some sort of Facebook group. People will lose their mind over it. But um, according to research, it shows that as long as you drink like a European adult and not an American frat boy, you should be fine. You'd have to drink only one four ounce drink. Drink it very slowly so that your body can metabolize it so there's no leftover alcohol to be metabolized by your baby. And you'd be fine, according to this book. But I'm not a doctor, so don't take advice from me. Do your own research and make your own decisions. So like I said, I finished reading Expecting Better. And my next book is going to be Attachment Parenting. It's a $16.99 audiobook. That's how much it costs. I'm going to get that one. My sister, Jillian, recommended it. She is a lactation consultant with four children, and she highly recommends this book, so I'm going to read it. I bought Mike the Expectant Father, which was $21.99, and he's enjoying it. He had a job in Chicago. We live in Brooklyn, so he drove all the way to Chicago and listened to this book, and he, you know, he gets bored easy, so... It says a lot if he's reading this book and he's maintaining interest and he seems to have learned a lot and has found it interesting. So if you want to recommend that to your partners, that could be good. Uh, Finally, another recommendation I wanted to make because I'm going to read this one shortly. The next book is called Crib Sheet. It's $14.99 if you buy it on the Apple Books app. It's also by Emily Ulster and... It's about parenting. So her first book was about pregnancy primarily, and this next one's about parenting. So I'm excited for that. Up next, I'm going to be joined by Carla Garcia. She is a bilingual speech-language pathologist working in the Maryland, D.C. area. This year, uh, she became pregnant with twins that she is expecting in March of 2021. But unfortunately, last year, she experienced a very difficult thing, and that was a miscarriage of her six-week-old baby. And in this episode, she is going to talk about that experience and give listeners a firsthand look at what it was like and also resources of things that helped her through this experience. This is a trigger warning. I want to let you know that the information in this podcast does become pretty intense and graphic. So if this is not something that you feel like you want to listen to or that you can handle, then I would end this episode here and tune in next week when I update you on 15 weeks of my pregnancy. So without any further ado, here is Miss Carla Garcia talking about her great loss. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Unexpected Podcast. Today, I'd like to welcome back Miss Carla Garcia. Hi, Carla. Hello. Thanks for joining me. 
Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Now, last time that Carla was on the show, she shared her wonderful news for expecting twins. I want to warn everyone ahead of time that this episode might be a bit triggering because we are going to talk about miscarriage and loss. So thanks again. I know this is a hard topic. Yes, um, it is, but I feel like it's a topic that um, deserves to be more talked about, and it's perfect for this month because it's infant and um, infertility awareness, um, infertility loss awareness month. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Right, that that makes sense. So um, this was your second pregnancy. Is that accurate? Yes. Yeah. And how did you find out you were pregnant that time? So this time it was after the third month of trying, I took a pregnancy test. Um, I think it was the day that I was supposed, that time of the month was supposed to come. Um, It came out positive. Mm -hmm. And my husband and I, we were very happy. And, um, but it was something that we planned. So we were very excited that I was able to get pregnant again. And what were your symptoms during that pregnancy? So um, I actually didn't have any symptoms whatsoever. No nausea, no nothing. I didn't have that with my son either. Okay. So it was normal for me. The only thing that I did have, which was very odd, was that I felt off, mm-hmm. like it something in my soul felt like it something's not right, and I didn't know if it was the pregnancy. I didn't know if it was, I if it was how I was feeling that day. I was super excited, but it just I don't know. I it was a different feeling than definitely than when I was pregnant with my son. And were you, did you have any doctor's appointments during this pregnancy? Yes. So that day I called um, to set up an appointment to confirm the pregnancy. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was four weeks along. Okay. But when they did the sonogram, I had my son's sonogram at four weeks as well. It looked completely different. Oh, okay. And, And that's when I was, again, that off feeling was starting to get confirmed, like, hmm, mm-hmm. something's not right here. Uh, with my son, we saw like a black circle mm-hmm. in the sonogram. Like there was no embryo because he was so small. Right. Yeah. Because I had my first scan at six weeks and I just remember it looked like a speck. Like the baby just was like, a, it was like a big black spot, but then like a little white line. <laughs> Exactly. Just like a big black spot. So with Sina was that, but with nothing in there, because he was just so tiny because he was four weeks. Mm -hmm. But with this pregnancy, I didn't even see like a black spot. It was like all gray. Mm -hmm. I was like, what is that? Like, oh, it's very early. This just means it's the lining of your uterus. And this can, and this happens usually a, like when you, when your body is starting to have your period or B when your body is starting to prepare for a pregnancy. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, okay. Very odd. It was very, I don't know. Okay. Very and then after that, 
the next appointment was um, to confirm if I was miscarrying or not. Mm-hmm. And what week was that? That was literally the following week. I found out that I was pregnant on the third Thursday, Thursday or Friday, and then the next week on a Thursday. Um, the week before training was for staff and for the school year, which was right. really traumatizing, awful but time. Um, yeah. awful timing. And I went back in because the the night at 6 p.m., I remember it was around 6, um, I started to bleed. Oh, and okay. I was like, mm, and then I, sh- I, and I asked my husband, like, is this? And it's like, yeah, that's what you had when you were pregnant with Aiden with, with my son. And I was like, not this, like, it it was just not the, like, when they say that a woman's intuition is correct, it is correct. Like, I felt this is not normal. Right. Yeah. This is not just regular implantation bleeding. It was a little bit more than that. And it just got worse and worse. Uh Uh-huh. And, um, it was like I was having my period all over again. Okay. And I was like, oh my goodness. So then that's when I called the doctor at nighttime. And that's when they said, well, it might sound like you're having a miscarriage. And at mm-hmm. this point, like we can't stop it. Your mm-hmm. body's already starting to do its process. And But come tomorrow morning and we'll check it out. And, um, at this time I already reached out to a friend of mine who miscarried, um, her baby at 13 weeks. Um, I, I reached out to her cause she was the only person that I knew mm-hmm. that miscarried. So, um, uh, she sent me a care, a miscarriage care package, which I'll talk a little bit more later on, mm-hmm. um, to go through this process and that, and the next day I came in and, they said that my cervix was already two centimeters dilated. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, I like at this, you know, and it was just blood everywhere. And they're like, we're so sorry. And it was, it was tough. It was very, I felt alone. I felt yeah. my, 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 my doctors, they, you know, they try to comfort me, but I feel from coming from a person who's going through that loss there's no one there that can comfort you except for people who have gone through there. And like my friend mm-hmm. wasn't there or anything. Right. It was, I was in shock. Right. I didn't think it would happen to me. And I feel, yeah, I felt very, I, I, I feel like I fit fa- like my bot, like I felt like my body failed my baby. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause just, just it, I didn't think it would happen. And my son was perfectly healthy. And now what happened so right. and they often say though that it's nothing that you did or could have done it's that there might have been something like genetically that was off and that's why the the baby did not continue to develop it wasn't um it wasn't you it was it was essentially just nature I'm sure that doesn't help to hear. No, but it's, but you know what? It's good to know because, and this is, I highly recommend it. This is from, you know, my personal experience. Once you know you're pregnant, immediately go to your doctor 
and ask for confirmation. They will take your blood work. Mm-hmm. They will, you know, check your weight, check your blood pressure. That blood work in the beginning, if you miscarry early, if all your numbers are good, they will have an idea as to what might have caused the miscarriage. In my mm-hmm. case, my numbers, because I went in early enough, they mm-hmm. were able to pull up my um, my blood and the record, and they were able to see the levels. They're, they're like your S. HCG level was good. Your pro, your progesterone, which is like a pregnancy hormone that um, tells your body, "Oh, you're pregnant. We gotta mm-hmm. start prepping up." Um, that was great. It was pretty high. Mm-hmm. So, so my doctor was like, "Your body was ready for this pregnancy, so that right. must mean that there was something within the embryo, within the zygote that didn't right." multiply right the the you know either your egg or your husband's sperm like it just didn't something was wrong with the fertilization process right with that combo right exactly wasn't your body wasn't what you did because I was like but it worked out like literally the day before I like lifted like 10 pound weights or something right like but your blood levels like nothing so that's why I recommend and when I was pregnant with my twins I wanted to wait. I was like, no, I want to wait because what if something happens? But then I thought, no, I can't because I need to know if I miscarry again. Right. Was it my body? You know, was was everything okay? Was it at least you know the the process of 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 the of the splitting of the fertilization? I needed to know. So. Mm -hmm. I would recommend to go in, even if you've had a miscarriage in the past and you're pregnant again and you're scared of going in and getting all hyped up that you're pregnant. I'm a, I like to have answers. Right. Me I, too. Yeah. I just can't cause that, cause, cause, cause then it's going to eat me up. Like what if, or I, I should have, could have, would have. Right. So I would recommend to go in early enough just so they can get your blood work and they can see your numbers. And even if your numbers are low, they would, de- they would detect it early enough right. to help you, you know, and to right. provide you with any supplements that you need. Right. So, um, so go to the doctor right away. I did not do that. I, I, <laughs> I, I had no idea. And everyone's like, they can't do anything for you right now. So you don't go until, and then what they thought was going to be seven weeks, but then I guess I was off by a week. So I was mm-hmm. six weeks, six days when I first went to the doctor, but I found out at four weeks and I, I swear that was like almost three weeks of agony because I had no idea about anything. And it was also though, I was warned to not go or like, I don't know, maybe I wasn't warned to go. I don't know if it was paranoia on my part, but because we're in the middle of a pandemic. Yeah. See that yeah. <laughs> COVID and everything. It's, it's so hard now. Cause that's like, yeah. Oh, and are they wearing the proper PPE? Yeah. Yeah. See, that's, that's a little bit. <laughs> I just imagined myself like going out, traveling, waiting around. And then it's like, then I get the virus. Um, and so I had waited and, um, but I think it makes more sense to go. It felt like I should have gone. I, yeah. it would be less torture. Um, so you, so your next steps were that you went to the doctor and then they confirmed that you were two centimeters dilated and that your body was preparing for a miscarriage. Yeah. 
So there was never any heartbeat or you weren't able to hear that? I wasn't able to hear that because the last time that I went was the week before when I saw that foggy image. Mm -hmm. Right. So I'm wondering, is like, was my body already preparing to miscarry? And we didn't, you know, we didn't know. I right. had no idea, but um, it was five. Yeah, I was like, I found out my time was over about five. Yeah, like, I, yeah, it was five weeks um, when I miscarried. Was, I, I put five to six weeks. I was really mm-hmm. early on. Um, but um, yeah, there, there was no symptoms, no nothing. It was just went to the bathroom, wiped blood and then free. And then it was just all downhill from there. Oh God. Yeah. Like, and I've read that sickness is a sign of a healthy pregnancy and I was never sick once. And many people who miscarry were never sick. And that made me so nervous. But then a lot of the women in my family were also never sick. So I just kept trying to tell myself that. So don't, don't freak out if you're listening to this, just because you're not sick does not mean you will miscarry, but, um, it is a sign or symptom. Right. That. And also they told, they asked me like, have you had any cramping? Mm -hmm. Um, which I did not either. Uh Um, back pain is another one early on. I didn't have that either. So I did. I had, I had a lot of lower back pain. (laughs) See, So it's different with everyone. So when they ask me these questions, like, no, no, I didn't even have it with my son. And my son is four. Mm -hmm. So it really varies from person, like so different person to person. So whatever you read on Google. Yeah. It's the enemy. (laughs) Google is the enemy. Um, so then after your doctor confirmed, what were the next steps? I know there's like different things that you can choose to go through or I'm yeah. not, I, I don't know. Tell me whatever you can. Yes. So one of the choices that were offered to me was a D and C, um, which is basically a procedure that's done to clear out the uterine wall and your uterus. Um, if your body hasn't successfully miscarried everything, including the the placenta that was supposed to be in there, the mm-hmm. uterine lining that was supposed to cover where the baby was supposed to be, all of that that we shed every month, if it's still in your body, um, you have to get a DNC to have that done because okay. then your body for the next pregnancy, they don't want anything um, residual there that could impact your next pregnancy. It kind of needs to be kind of starting from fresh. Okay. Um, and that's a procedure I have personally not gone through it only because, um, within the care package that I received, it, it had like raspberry tea, which raspberry tea apparently, um, clean, cleans out, um, all of that. Mm -hmm. Um, and drinking lots of water, rest, going to the bathroom consistently, all of that. But if you're farther along, it might be harder. And that's when they would ask you to do a DNC. Um, okay. So I never went through that because my body um, cl- cleanses itself with, with my baby and along with everything else. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I do have friends that had to have that done or you can naturally wait to deliver, which is what my friend um, 
of 13 weeks, she, she decided to give birth naturally in her home. Um, and she was able to, and she was able to do so. How long did that take? Um, you see for her, I, I don't remember what she said, but she said it was very painful and she had a doula with her and everything. Um, and like I said, like she was 13 weeks. So she saw like, you know, the hands and everything. So, right. um, but yeah, but once your body is dilated and open, it, it's very hard to stop right um the dilation process so i, so, I wait but now i'm confused so when you said so she was 13 weeks and then she delivered like at 13 weeks yeah and how did that like get triggered to come um that so, just happen? so she was bleeding a lot mm-hmm. already and her body was already dilated to oh, okay. the baby so uh-huh. she decided to not do the DNC procedure. So within the 13 weeks, I don't know if, if it's that day that she found out that she right. was hearing or if it was like a couple of days later, but she decided to not do that procedure. She just decided to deliver whenever her body was ready to, Oh, okay. I guess deliver. Mm-hmm. And, but then for you, you said that you, you just, you drank tea and you drank a lot of water. And then mm-hmm. within the kit, there was a basket so yes, there is, um, so in the miscarriage kit that my friend gave me, it had like a rice, I don't even know how to call it, like, it, like you know, the, the little rice drainer. Oh, like a strainer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, a strainer. So your baby can't go through it or anything because the holes are so tiny. Right. Um, so I delivered the baby through that uh-huh. um, and... Um, it had the raspberry tea bags in there too. It had um, like cotton, uh, cotton fabric that you can like wipe the baby off with. It had gloves as well. So you can put gloves and like clean the baby if you need to. And it came with like a little white, like satin looking pocket that you can place the baby inside. It was very... It was very well put together. That's yeah, um, that's a beautiful kit. Yes, it was. I was very shocked that they even had. I I didn't even know that that existed. No, I had no idea. So, how did you know that it was? Was it obvious that that was the baby that you? Had? Um. So I I just again like hold the whole thing back to the to the woman's um, intuition. I feel like it was my baby mm-hmm. um, because it didn't, because when you're miscarrying, you're, you're going to miscarry clots as mm-hmm. well, like really big clots. And that's what I had. But this shape pocket socket thing mm-hmm. did not look like a clot. Right. I okay. Like, I wonder if this is where the baby is or was, but I just, mm-hmm. I had a feeling that it was, if it wasn't, the baby, it was part of the baby somehow. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there was something like clear, like a string that might have looked like an umbilical, like looking thing. I was like, this is not like a claw like this. Right. There had like structures to it. Yeah. It looked like a clear string that was 
detached from I don't know it was I just knew that it wasn't a cloud I was like this the, this has to be the baby mm-hmm. um, because I was so early on there was no form of like a baby at least for me right um, but I just felt like okay this is not a clot I am hoping that this is the baby right that, you know that I think he or she is um so that's what we decided to bury and how did you know that you passed everything so that you didn't have to get any sort of, did they, they do a follow-up scan? Great question. Yes, they did. I believe they did one one week after and then two weeks after. Okay. Or, yeah, it was like a couple of days in between. They, um, they scanned twice. Mm-hmm. So they did an ultrasound and they did blood work. But I had to come in for the blood work once a week because my levels, my progesterone and my HCG levels, they wanted to make sure that it went down to zero. Okay. Um, And why is that important? It's important because then it confirms to them that your body, it no longer believes that it's pregnant. Okay. Um, And so it's getting ready for a next possible pregnancy. Um, type of thing. So, um, they, they looked at the blood level and they also, um, did an ultrasound, but the ultrasound was like once or twice, mm-hmm. but the blood level, they said we have to consistently do. And I think they did it for three to four weeks for me. So I, I went in like three or four times. This has got to be so hard because it, it's like, you're going in to this place where you would be going if you were still expecting and it's not over. It's like, you got bad news and now you just have to like be confronted with it weekly. Yes. And the thing is that when the sonographer was like, when she confirmed that everything was, I guess, like they say nice and clean down there, they're like, oh, it looks nice and clean. So and to me, it's like, ugh, like, this, like, right. it's just not what I want to see on the sonogram. Like, it's no. not what I want to hear. No. I want to hear like, so this is the heartbeat. It was like completely the opposite. So, right. so, so your body was able to clean itself. That's great because we don't need to do the DNC procedure. And like, even though it's a good thing that I don't have to go through that procedure, it's still a bad thing for me because then it's, I, it's, it's confirming again and again, like, and again, you're not yeah. Pregnant, you're not yeah. And it's hard even with COVID, there, there could only be two or three people in the waiting room. I would mm-hmm. come in, there would be pregnant ladies there, and right. here I am with nothing, and they're going in to hear their heartbeat. And it was hard even when I was next to the sonogram room, I heard the thuck, 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 thuck of another right. woman hearing their baby's heartbeat. And I just like, I lost it. I, I can imagine. So my God. Oh my goodness. I feel so bad for you. Oh, I can't imagine. That's got to be so difficult. I'm so happy that you have been rewarded this year with double the fun, but still it does not take away from the loss that you suffered. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was very traumatic. And, and it's still traumatizing because even now when I go to the bathroom, I always check. Right. It's her blood. And even when I went back to school, even when I heard the toys flushing, it was a trigger for me. For me, it was right. that. It was like a big thing. Well, you have PTSD at that point. That's the that's trauma. So yeah. I can imagine. Yeah. So yeah. who, how did you find out about the cemetery having a miscarriage 
um, plot area where you were able to have a ceremony? Yes. So I found out in the miscarriage kit that my friend sent me. Okay. It was a pamphlet. Um, and I'll send you over the information as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so so all of this information will be in the show notes. So if you have any curiosity about these resources, don't worry about trying to listen and pause and write this down. because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, There's a lot of information that I didn't know, but there's a pamphlet of a woman who provides free caskets mm-hmm. to those who miscarry and they're free because the person before you or the person who who, who has miscarried in the past have paid okay. for that casket. Mm-hmm. You do not have to pay for the casket. It's for free. She says, but if you feel the need to donate right. whatever amount you want, whatever amount, then Mm -hmm. that goes towards the next miscarriage casket, which is so sad to know because then it's like this other woman, like, you know, like miscarriages will always happen. It just, it just, right. It just makes me so sad that like, it's just not going to stop and there's always going to be a miscarriage, but, but it's good to know that there's a way to bury um, your baby. So she also has a a cemetery in Virginia um where your baby has the little like um in spanish called placa i don't know because <laughs> what's it called where they put the name on the on the ground like tombstone type yeah like kind of like a tombstone tombstone type type of thing um or for religious purposes like if you're catholic within the dmv area the dc maryland and virginia area the archdiocese have already paid for the miscarriage plots Mm -hmm. so that is for free as well oh okay so um so we 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 went through that route in terms of the burial but we got the casket from the lady um who's also had a miscarriage Mm -hmm. um so she dedicates herself a lot to that and she sends you within the casket like an outfit for the baby um like it's all satin and white it's just very very nicely put um and Mm -hmm. it's handmade and um she mails it to you and then we had to go through a funeral home to confirm that it was a miscarriage get a death certificate from there so that way the cemetery can say okay this is a confirmed loss Mm -hmm. and then they do the whole burial shebang like they contact the church that you would like to do it with. Um, they do the burial and um, where we did it was in um, in All Souls in Germantown, Maryland. Um, but again, that, that's through the archdiocese. So in terms of like, if you're um, Jewish or another type of Christian, um, I would recommend go asking um, your church or your, or, your, or your synagogue and see if they have a similar Mm-hmm. Um, type of um, donation process where they can help you, and if they have a a lot for messages mm-hmm. too. Yeah, that's great advice. Um, so, how long has it been since this all happened? So we um, passed. So I lost Ray, and we named him or her Ray because we don't know if it was a boy or a girl. Um, this happened on August 22nd, and we decided the name on Ray because in Spanish, 
um, rey means king or mm -hmm. reina means queen. So mm -hmm. as we're like, oh, Ray is going to heaven. He's going to meet the king and queen. So we decided on Ray. Okay. That's a good so, name. Yeah. And Ray is, is a cool name too. Um, yeah. So um, we decided, I'm going to say, oh, my dog's not barking. Okay, good. Um, so we decided, so that, so that happened August 22nd. And the process for me to figure out like the next step and the next step, we decided to do the burial in uh, September. It was on a it was on a Friday. I don't remember specifically the day, but it was. It took three weeks. Okay. It took three, three weeks. And this was 2019. Two yes, last year. Yeah. Okay. And then, so how are you feeling now? about this experience you already expressed some like trauma and ptsd but um yeah it may it really humbled me in the fact that there are other people who are struggling with multiple miscarriages mm -hmm. or miscarriages that were much i'm not saying that my miscarriage oh it wasn't that much you know a miscarriage is a miscarriage a loss is is a loss but I feel like whenever I hear miscarriages happening or they miscarry, you know, with Chrissy Teigen, like she just had one, you oh know? Oh my goodness, was, yeah. Yeah, it just, it just, I, my heart breaks. And it's like, if I didn't have the miscarriage, I, you know, I would be sad, but it's not in the level of sadness and caring. And I just like, I understand you. Mm -hmm. um, and it just, it just makes me really sad that um, I felt so alone in the process besides just having my friend because no one talks about it. <laughs>